When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. From The Recount, I'm Rena Ninen, and you're listening to The Recount Daily Pod. Today's Thursday, October 7th. I don't know what Facebook can do to repair that trust, but something the whistleblower has hit on in her testimony is transparency. And I think that transparency can be a pretty good kind of anecdote to this kind of broken trust. That was Georgia Wells, co-author of The Wall Street Journal's explosive expose on Facebook's refusal to change its business practices in light of research that showed it was harming its own users. We'll dig into that a little later on, but first, your morning headlines. We begin in Texas, where late last night, a federal district court judge blocked enforcement of a Texas abortion law that effectively bans a procedure after six weeks, siding with the Biden administration. Judge Robert Pittman called the law unconstitutional, saying, quote, women have been unlawfully prevented from exercising control over their lives in ways that are protected under the Constitution. The judge ruled that the law should be put on hold immediately, while the Texas statute makes its way through the lower court system. Next to Washington, D.C., where the threat of a federal default has been averted, for now. Senate Democrats have agreed to an offer from Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell that would raise the debt ceiling just enough to fund the government until December 3rd. That gives Democrats almost two months to come to an agreement on the reconciliation bill. The planned vote is expected later today. Next up, we turn to health. And for once, it's not COVID. You've been reading and hearing about COVID-19 vaccines for months now. But how about one for malaria? Yesterday, the World Health Organization endorsed a vaccine made by Glasgow SmithKline, the first ever developed against parasitic disease. Clinical trials in Ghana, Kenya, and Malawi have found the vaccine to be 50% effective in preventing severe malaria in the first year. We should note the resistance wanes with time. Malaria, a disease spread by mosquitoes, kills about half a million people a year, half are children under the age of five. For the vaccine to reach all the people who need it, the next step is for Gavi, the Global Vaccine Alliance, to decide if it's a worthwhile investment. 
and buy it on behalf of interested countries. That could take over a year, and its approval isn't guaranteed. Still, the WHO's director general touted the vaccine's promise, saying it, quote, will change the course of history. We end with Facebook, which has been dominating headlines this week after a company whistleblower testified before Congress about its questionable practices. Former product manager Francis Haugen accused the company of knowingly prioritizing growth over the welfare of its users. Haugen added that Facebook's own internal research showed its platform particularly harmed teenage girls. In a post, Zuckerberg denied the claims. Facebook's silence, while being fully aware that flaws in its platforms were hurting its users, was the subject of an expose by The Wall Street Journal last week. We dig into the Facebook controversy with one of the series' co-authors, Georgia Wells. That's in today's Daily Deep Dive. Georgia, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, Georgia, what are the Facebook files that The Wall Street Journal put out? The Facebook files are The Wall Street Journal's attempts to understand everything Facebook knew over these past couple of years and didn't disclose that often conflicted with how Facebook presented these issues publicly. The ones that I worked on the most closely, they were looking at how Instagram affects teen girls. And repeatedly, Instagram researchers found that Instagram is harmful for a sizable percentage of these users, most notably teen girls. And I can rattle off some of the stats, if you want, that have just stuck with me throughout the reporting. So what stood out to you? 32% of teen girls said that when they felt bad about their bodies, Instagram made them feel worse. And also among teens who reported suicidal thoughts, 13% of British users and 6% of American users traced this desire to kill themselves to Instagram. Wow. That is something. It's really powerful. Like, these are serious findings. What is it about Instagram that's made it so toxic for this demographic specifically? So it's this thing called negative social comparison. Negative social comparison happens when you're looking at content with the mindset of how do I stack up next to these people who I'm looking at rather than, oh, I'm like looking at this person to learn more about them. And negative social comparison can happen in all aspects of your life. It certainly predates Instagram. But the documents, they discuss how negative social comparison is worse on Instagram. And the reasons are, A, it's addictive product mechanics, and B, this highlight real culture on Instagram. It's everybody posts the best moments of their lives that, but with the impression that this is what my life is always like. And the researchers discuss that it's really an Instagram-specific problem and how severe these effects can be. Because on Snapchat, much of the content is buffered with these face filters. So you can like turn your face into a puppy or something like that. And those face filters, they divorce the content from reality. It's, you know, you're not actually a puppy, obviously. On TikTok, <laughs> a lot of the content is more performance-based. And so that separates this content from your real life. And so there are these aspects on Instagram's two biggest competitors, TikTok and Snapchat, that mitigate this negative social comparison. But on Instagram, the focus is on the body and the lifestyle. And the researchers call this out as being like a perfect storm for teens and particularly teen girls. So Georgia, how did you get a hold of these internal documents in the first place? So I can't get into that too much, but the world knows now Francis Haugen was an employee at Facebook and then kind of became concerned about how the company was handling some of the issues related to this and left Facebook with thousands of pages of documents. 
and Francis has now approached lawmakers and regulators about these concerns and with these documents as evidence of what she was seeing while she was at the company. And so the Wall Street Journal kind of then came into these documents. And now we've reported this series of stories based on them. I'm sure there are a lot of employees at Facebook over the years that have wanted to come forward and some of the things they've seen. What made her take this huge step? Frances talks about her love of the company, that this wasn't a kind of spurned employee who was disgruntled, that she really believes in Facebook and believes the company can do better and has described that as a motivating factor in coming forward. So I think that's a very powerful moment as an employee who starts at a tech company and is really optimistic about solving some of these issues, but then sees the company dissolve the team she was working on. And many of those employees left the company or were reassigned to other teams at Facebook. So I think that kind of chipped at some of her confidence that the company was going to do right by these issues. What do you think it is that Francis wants by releasing these? She said in testimony that she wants lawmakers to take action, that she believes that these issues can be solved, but that Facebook will not solve them on its own. And she believes lawmakers need to act, step in and address these issues that she believes are solvable. And she believes that this could show consumers that this is not a real choice that consumers can have a social network that allows them to express themselves, but also has less of these kind of issues around misinformation and hate speech and bullying and toxic content for teenagers. We've got to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with Georgia Wells, reporter at The Wall Street Journal on The Recount Daily Pod. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. 
So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome back to The Recount Daily Pod, a podcast from The Recount and iHeartRadio. I'm here with Georgia Wells, reporter at The Wall Street Journal, and we're talking about the journal's bombshell series, Facebook Files. You mentioned you specifically reported on the company's strategy with younger users. Why do you think it is that Facebook's so focused on reaching that next generation? Facebook wants growth. Facebook wants to keep on growing like it's been growing. And Facebook has signed up nearly every adult in developed markets. So what's left? There's developing countries. My colleagues have written just really compelling articles about what happens when Facebook kind of enters developing markets without kind of the people in place to moderate the content. There's also young people getting their smartphones for the first time. This is a moment in the child's life. They get a smartphone and then they start to decide which apps they want to put on it. And Facebook in the documents, it's really clear. Facebook really wants these kids to put a Facebook product on their app before they put a product from a competitor on their app. Because Facebook is concerned if these kids kind of become addicted to a competitor's app, that their next kind of funnel of growth then might not be lined up to use their products. So there were internal documents on play dates. What did Facebook see there? Facebook saw play dates as, quote, a growth lever. Then explain a little bit about playdates. Every child goes on playdates and they need to coordinate this playdate. So Facebook saw this as an opportunity to inject one of their apps into this logistical process that is repeated among every single child in every single country around the world. So in the documents, we see Facebook discussing like, well, maybe we could have an app that's used during the playdate. And then they talk to parents and there's a resounding message from parents that they do not want screens open during playdates. So then Facebook researchers are like, well, maybe a Facebook app could be used to coordinate the playdate. So like as the children are talking, perhaps on a Facebook product, they could loop in their parents to make that playdate actually happen. But you can see Facebook looking at these repeated activities that could kind of help introduce other children to their apps. So when two children are playing, one child, if they bring in Facebook, that introduces the other child to Facebook. Then that other child goes to meet another child, and then they've introduced that child to Facebook. So it's this, this action that can keep on repeating and repeating, kind of including more and more children. What exactly is Instagram Kids? I know Facebook has put a pause on this for now, but what was it supposed to be? Instagram Kids was supposed to be Facebook's version of Instagram for children under the age of 13. Currently, Instagram is for users 13 and older. We don't know exactly what Instagram for Kids would look like, but Facebook has acknowledged that it was working on this. And so now everybody's trying to learn as much as possible about like how do you make an app for children and how do you do this safely? How do you think Facebook came up with this idea of Instagram Kids? What were they hoping to achieve and why was it paused? In the documents, we can see Facebook concerned about their growth and looking for ways to make sure that they are looking at the app that children use when they get their first smartphone. 
We also have heard from Facebook executives concerned that children use regular Instagram, that regular Instagram children will lie about their age, sign up, and then they're suddenly on this app that wasn't built for them. And so Facebook executives have framed this misuse of their platform as one of the reasons Instagram for kids exists. A question I have about this logic is, say Facebook releases Instagram kids, I don't know what that does to dissuade children from still logging on to Instagram using a false age, like regular Instagram. Because anyone who's spent time around children knows that for many kids, the coolest app is the one for like the generation ahead of them. Knowing what you've been able to read about the report and the findings and looking into all of this, what surprised you the most about what you found? I was really surprised by the level of sophistication that Facebook brought to this research, that in the past, when I've asked Facebook executives about these sorts of issues, that the responses have been quite vague and the responses have also been couched in like, well, this isn't Instagram specific, this is social media, this is media in general, but the documents lay out lots of evidence for why this is an Instagram specific problem at times. And also a very nuanced understanding of what's happening. And so Facebook's research on Instagram, this represents one of the clearest gaps that I've ever seen between Facebook's understanding of itself internally and Facebook's public position when executives were speaking to lawmakers or the media or in other public situations. Are you in touch with any current employees? I'm just curious what they're saying about all of this fallout. I'm in contact with internal employees who are anxious, who are scared, who want their company to address many of these issues and are kind of watching to see whether or not the company's commitment sort of lines up with that. Facebook has many, many researchers, people working on integrity issues who are deeply committed to wanting to make the platform a better place. The tension points have been whether higher up leadership kind of takes these suggestions into account and basically the extent to which the company is willing to sacrifice aspects of growth in order to address some of the potential harms their platform can cause. As your organization, The Wall Street Journal, points out, despite the numerous media exposures, Facebook hasn't really fixed the problem. Do you think this moment is different for Facebook? So in the past, what we've seen is Facebook executives tend to view problems as problems of PR rather than problems of their product. It's crises that need to be mitigated in terms of perceptions, but not necessarily things that need to change with their platform. What's interesting about this moment is these documents spell out in Facebook's own terms, their views of the problem, that internally Facebook executives, Facebook employees view this content, view these kind of apps, experiences of their users as potentially problematic. I just, I don't know what they'll do with that information. We're going to pause to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Georgia Wells, reporter at the Wall Street Journal on the Recount Daily Pod. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. 
Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O. TIKA.com. Welcome back to the Recount Daily Pod, a podcast from the Recount and iHeartRadio. We're talking about the bombshell reporting from the Wall Street Journal called the Facebook Files. And I'm joined by Georgia Wells, reporter at the Wall Street Journal. At this point, what are you watching? I'm watching to see what happens with Instagram kids. So Facebook has said that they're putting this on hold, that they're pausing it. But does that mean just the wheels have ground to a halt internally? Or does that mean they're pausing their public discussion of it? Or does that mean any employees assigned to those projects will be assigned to other projects? These are the questions I'm trying to figure out and trying to answer right now. I'm also going to be watching what lawmakers do with this motivation they have to kind of address some of these issues. I don't think the American public, I don't think lawmakers or regulators have really kind of grappled with this question about should there be apps and technology for children? And if so, what are the measures that would be in place to protect them? Because most of the protection for children is from COPPA, the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act. And that prevents tech companies from collecting data on children under the age of 13. But that doesn't do a whole lot to protect the rights of children under the age of 13 who might be on technology platforms anyways. So the question, I think, is like for these children, if there's an app for them, what's the best way to do this? Mm -hmm. You know, this reminds me of the tobacco industry and the hearings on Capitol Hill and how the tobacco industry was aware of the health issues they were causing. Do you think this moment is somehow going to force Facebook to change? It's an amazing moment because the hearings I've been listening to, there's very broad bipartisan support. So Senators Richard Blumenthal and Marsha Blackburn, they hardly agree on anything, yet they've come together to call for investigations into Facebook and to try and learn more about what Facebook knows. So that's as compelling an indication as I've ever seen of kind of commitment from lawmakers and bipartisan commitment from lawmakers to want to address these issues. My sense in doing this interview with you today, you really believe 
that something has changed this go round for Facebook. I really believe something has changed. I don't know Washington well enough to know if this shift will lead to action. But the conversations I've been hearing from lawmakers are different conversations than before. They're much savvier this time around. You were able to get these leaked documents. We, we now know the identity of the woman. But from somebody at Facebook, you're speaking to employees. If you had the opportunity to sit down with Mark Zuckerberg or Adam Mosseri or Sheryl Sandberg, what would you ask them? When did they find out about this research? What was the moment in time that they knew it? And why didn't they share it with lawmakers who asked at the time? Senators Blumenthal and Blackburn wrote Facebook a letter over the summer, and they asked for this research. And Facebook said no. Facebook said this research is proprietary and kept internally to foster discussions. And so I want to know if Facebook finds more evidence of harm that its users experience in the future, will Facebook disclose this information? My inbox is filled with emails from parents right now. There's this through line in many of these emails around trust, that many of these parents trusted Facebook with their children and had expected if Facebook were to find evidence of harm that Facebook would have disclosed it. So there appears to be this broken trust, at least this is what the parents are articulating. So I don't know what Facebook can do to repair that trust, but something the whistleblower has hit on in her testimony is transparency. And I think that transparency can be a pretty good kind of anecdote to this kind of broken trust. Georgia Wells, Wall Street Journal reporter, I want to thank you very much for joining us to talk about Facebook. Thank you, Rena. It was a really good conversation. And now to the look ahead. Here's what else we're watching today. President Biden arrives in Illinois to promote the COVID-19 vaccine. The trip's a follow-up to two recently issued executive orders, one requiring all healthcare workers and federal contractors to be vaccinated, the other directing big private employers to mandate vaccines for their employees. The Nobel Committee will award its highest honor, the Nobel Peace Prize, this Friday. 329 candidates are in the running for this year's award. Here are just three. Greta Thunberg for her contributions to climate activism, the WHO for its role throughout the coronavirus pandemic, and the Black Lives Matter movement for rallying against systemic racism. The winner will take home a million dollars to use as they see fit. Put on your Wookiee cosplay and get ready to have some fun. New York Comic Con begins today. The convention celebrating nerd culture will last until Sunday. More than 100,000 wizards, superheroes, squid game contestants, and regular old celebrities are expected to descend upon the Jacob Javits Center in New York City. For those not attending in person, most sessions will be available to stream on the organization's website. Have a great rest of the week, everyone. I'll see you back on Monday. This is The Recount Daily Pod, a podcast from The Recount and iHeartRadio. Our thanks to Georgia Wells, co-author of The Wall Street Journal's expose on Facebook. And if you like this episode, I hope you'll subscribe to The Recount Daily Pod. And do leave us a rating on the Apple Podcast app. I'm your host, Rena Ninen, Alexis Ramdow, and Corey Wara engineered and produced this podcast. Ariella Martin also produced. Fonda Mwangi did the research. Pierre Bename is our senior producer. And our executive producer is Laura Beatty.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com.